Welcome back to Big Sky Buckets. I'm Big Sky, and we got a lot to talk about today. But before we get started, if you're new to the channel, please subscribe. I would really appreciate all the support as I try and get this up and going. Uh, like the new videos that come out and comment. Let me know what if you agree with my takes or not. And then if you're an audio-only listener on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please give it a rate, give it a listen. I would really appreciate it. But let's just get jump right into it. Later on, I'll be talking about two of the games that I watched yesterday. Just two really bizarre games overall, in my opinion. But there's a little bit of NBA news here we got to talk about to start with. It's not going to be too long. But James Harden finally traded to the Los Angeles Clippers. Basically, everyone and their mother saying, finally, this was like bound to happen. But it's just surprising to see it happen now. And I think one of the reasons is because... Philly finally realizes that Maxi is taking that leap and that they don't need James Harden. And really what they want is, even though it's like minimal assets, compiling those assets and then using everything they have, they could probably get a star player that becomes disgruntled. And there are a couple of teams in the East I see, like either a guard or a forward type of player like Pascal Siakam or Zach Levine, based on how these teams end up looking like, especially at the deadline they could probably go out and get. And also, getting off of Harden's contract and P.J. Wash, uh, Tucker's contract, you basically, Philly is creating a big cap space for this upcoming offseason. I think that's going to lead for them to make a big move. But if that doesn't work, then this is going to look really bad in hindsight. But it's a really bizarre trade overall. Um, this is the Clippers going all in. Like, after this, this is what they're stuck with, and they're going to have to pay a lot of money. I think I might need to make a, a video or another episode about the cap space of the Los Angeles Clippers. But for now, that's what they got going on. Really weird. We'll see how it all works. And then eventually when I finally get to the Clippers, I kind of want my first uh, analysis of the Clippers to be with James Harden now. So that that worked out for me pretty well. But uh, And then in other news, I think there's two teams – one in the West and one in the East that need to make a trade. Uh, they're really in dire straits based on where they are in terms of the assets that they've used to try and push for maybe more of a win-now situation than they once thought. That's the Raptors, who are now 1-3, and three, and, of course, the Memphis Grizzlies, who look like they might be tied with... Honestly, actually, no. I think they are the only team that hasn't won a single game. So, yeah, they look like the worst team in the league, and that is rough to start but let's jump into it um we're gonna start with my atlanta hawks versus the minnesota timberwolves now some context for how i was watching this last night i um me and my friend matthew Feynman, we love we're working on passion projects uh specifically trying to adapt a one of our favorite video games into like a live action tv show I'm not going to get too into it, but we have these cooking sessions we do where we just like trying, we're trying to whip up some really hot ideas of how we want to adapt it. And we were doing that last night. And then in, in my room, I have like a monitor. Um, and that's normally how like I'll type on my computer and it'll be on the monitor, which is much bigger than this laptop. But I had a small little uh, screen where I was watching the Hawks. And I basically told him like, look, you know, if I get too into this, you got to tell me to stop. You know, I'm committed. We, we got to get this stuff written today. Like, we got to do it today. Um, 
but as as the game progressed, like I got enough uh, information from the game to like be able to talk about it. This was a roller coaster of a game. Let's start with the first half because this is a tale of two halves easily. Um, <laughs> what a, what a game! This is a this is one of those games that's like this 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 one literally might happen once a century. Um, comebacks and collapses happen all the time, but I've never seen one quite like this. Now, first half of the game, the Hawks are playing a back to back. It's in Atlanta. They're coming back from Milwaukee. Uh, Minnesota has been there the entire like for a day at least. They're ready to go. They're guns blazing, and that's how they played. The three standout players in the first half, Anthony Edwards, just when he's playing at his level, he just straight up looks like he's Michael Jordan's son. He really, really, really does. It's just imp- it's impossible to guard. He's so physical. He's great at defense and all of that. The debut of Nas Reed, who I have told a bunch of my friends I have as my sleeper pick for Defensive Player of the Year, because I think he's one of the best perimeter defenders. And in this one, we're gonna we're gonna come back to it. But the main thing here, what you wanna retain as I go, once we move into the second half, is that Nas Reed, their best defender, their best wing defender, is on Trey Young the whole game. Keep that in the back of your mind because that's gonna come into play later. And then uh yeah, Nas Reed. What what a guy. What what more can you say about him? Uh, my friend Joe was the first to be like, when he was playing at LSU, he's like, this guy's going to be special. And uh, we'll see how special, but he is a great, uh, he's a great roster piece. And I want to say before we go any further, these three players I just mentioned, this going forward for the Timberwolves, whenever they end up having some point of disappointment, whether it's in the playoffs or like, their roster hits a ceiling, which I've inferred about before. This is these are the three guys you want to keep, and then you work around them. That's your core. That to me, that should be your core. I know they don't have a ton of assets, but this is something that you want to think about if you can get assets for Carl Anthony Towns if you trade him, or Rudy Gobert, or maybe even like Mike Conley because he's still got value in the league. But they went up 19 at the half. They just kicked the Hawks' ass. It was disgusting how good they were. Not like no, they couldn't miss anything ever at any moment. It was, and I was thinking, all right, this one's done. We're going back. We're going down one three. This is over. I've seen this enough. Like the Hawks lay down and die. That's that's been. That's been the culture of this team for so long. Is like, if you can't win the first half, there's no way you win the second half. Aside from when we played Philadelphia in the playoffs that one year. <laughs> Essentially, you go in and you're thinking, we're too small. We can't guard them. We can't make threes. Like, this one's, this one's done. This is a wrap. GG, you did well, Minnesota. Living up to where I have you in the Western Conference. Good job. Nope. Not even close. <laughs> Not even close. I, I I really want to emphasize just how ridiculous this net. What I'm about to talk about is. So the third quarter starts, and it's kind of back and forth for a bit, and I think it's about the nine minute mark is where this game will take a drastic turn, and it will not look back for the rest of the game. Dejounte Murray, I've had some issues with in the past especially the beginning of this year um because 
a lot of people around the league are wondering, does Trey and DeJounte fit? But one of the things that doesn't get talked about enough is that because they have both have been all-stars before, on any given moment, and this is one of my favorite things about this sport and how why it's like it's a game of runs, so you can never count a team out. One of them can get hot and just look unstoppable. And Trey Young has not looked like that yet. But yesterday, it was time for DeJounte Murray to wake up and show the Minnesota Timberwolves he is their daddy. And that's exactly what he did. I mean, he beat the shit out of these guys. He just kept punching them in the face, and they had nothing. They couldn't do anything. DeJounte Murray had 22 points in the third quarter. He missed zero, zero shots. Threes, made Rangers get into the rack. He could not be stopped. And one of the most shocking things to me is Chris Finch didn't do a damn thing different. He made no adjustments. He rarely called any timeouts to stop this run. And you're just looking at it like, okay, at, at before that nine-minute mark, the Timberwolves were up 21 points in the third quarter. That's a blowout. That that's You just need to maintain that. And as it slowly, slowly went down, slowly went down, you're thinking, okay, well, maybe he wants to take Jaden McDaniels off of Trey now because, like, Trey has not been shooting super well from three. He even said something in the postgame presser of, like, yeah, they were picking me up, like, half court, like I'm shooting 40 50% from three. So we just started screening higher, like, higher, and then eventually it would get to DeJounte and he would just carry us, which he did. I mean – there was a moment, and when this game became tied at the at the end of the third quarter, there was a, what, five, six-second last possession for the Hawks, and DeJounte basically just said, everyone get the fuck out of the way. I'm about to cook this guy, and he did. He, I mean, he just he cooked every defender who was in front of him, but it was a the miraculous thing, and Matt Feynman, who I was on a call with, knows this. I just lost my mind at the fact I'm like, this guy is not about to hit a pull-up three to end the quarter and tie the game. And sure enough, he just drills it in the mouth of Nikhil Alexander-Walker. And you're just thinking, oh my God, we've come back in the game. But now we have to win this fourth quarter. Again, I'm telling you, as a Hawks fan, we're used to this. We This is when we, we've made the comeback and now we lose the game. Nope. At this point, Trey is like, I want to join in on the fun. So now it becomes a point in time where... They just go back and forth of just annihilating the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's a Trey Bucket, and then it's a DJ Bucket, and then it's a Trey Bucket, and a DJ Bucket. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we are up 19 points. And that's basically game. They There there was a graphic of like, it was like 60 to 50%. Of for uh, Timberwolves are like 60% shooting in the first quarter, like, 69% shooting in the second quarter while the Hawks are like 50 into like 30 for the set, like 50 in the first, 30 in the second. And then just this shocking, uh, the second half percentages for field goal attempts for the Timberwolves is 26% for the third and fourth quarter. And for the Hawks third, it's 75% tr- shooting and 52 in the fourth. I mean, what a, just and and the biggest thing here is that during this run and because Chris Finch isn't like calling a timeout or trying to make adjustments, 
every single player for the Timberwolves is trying their hardest to play hero ball. And it's like, what the hell are you guys doing? This is the, it, 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 it showed immaturity, like a lack of experience for like, how do you stop the bleeding? And they, they were just freaking out trying, Oh, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. It's like, no, they're not working as a team anymore. And so they just blew this game. And I really, I'm about to go on and just extremely heated rant because again, he tricked me again. Chris Finch tricked me again. Every time I'm like watching them in the late regular season last year. And then the playoffs, I'm like, this guy does not know how to coach a worth a damn. And then I watch one JJ Reddick clip where he's talking with Chris Finch. I'm like, oh my God, this guy's a genius. What have I been saying? And then he tricked me again. He has no idea what the hell he's doing. This is one of those ones where normally it's either a collapse or either just a really good comeback where the offense is just unstoppable. To me, this was both. And the best way to put this here is that there's a graphic um, where it showed in the last 19 minutes of this game, it was a 60 to 20 swing. The Hawks put up 60 while the Timberwolves in 19 minutes only had 20. Good Lord. What a roller coaster. What a, the whole time during this comeback and like when the fourth quarter is happening, when I'm talking with Feynman, I'm just like, I'm in shock. Like surprising, surprised shock. Just like this can't be ha- like, are you telling us we're a real team that's being actually coached by a real coach right now that got us to win this game? And then you just got to tip your hat to DeJounte. Damn, man. Damn. That was a hell of a game. But Chris, like I'm saying, if you're the Timberwolves, it's time it's time to move on from Chris Finch. You've put too much money into the team you have currently. Go out, like I've been critical of Budenholzer before. Go out and get him. I promise you he'll win you regular season games. He'll make sure you win these games like this. I just can't promise you anything come the playoffs. But to be honest, it's better than what you got right now. It's better than what Chris Finch's resume has been. And I know that the Timberwolves has gone through a lot of coaches in Cat's tenure, but also... His time might be coming. He didn't play well. He kind of, he sold a lot. A lot of the players on this team sold. It was just, this was a f- weird, bizarre game. But you tip your ca- cap to Atlanta, like, hell, hell of a comeback. Hell of a comeback. I mean, good, oh my God. Like, that does not happen. And then you just kind of got to, you got to feel for the Timberwolves fans, like, I know we're going up against each other, but I genuinely feel awful for you guys because that that's one of the ones that will that's going to be on your reputation like that's going to be on your resume for a while. That's a disgusting collapse. But that's all I got to say for that game. I mean, I wish Jaden McDaniel touched the ball more in the fourth, but I'm also very happy with the Hawks. It's kind of kind of confusing, but I think this might be the last Hawks one for a bit um unless the majority of you want me to keep talking about the Hawks because I'm super passionate about them, but like I want to talk about other teams, but this one was just, this is one of those games that you just need to talk about. And then I would say DeJounte Murray was the second best player of last night, and he's only second behind the chef, Mr. Wardell Stephen Curry. Man, he torched the Pels. And I didn't get to watch this last night because I was working and I was, enamored by that Hawks comeback but what the hell happened Pelicans I looked at the score it was like 130 to like 108 or something like that and I'm thinking that 
did he just like pop off immediately? And then I go back and watch the recording of it this morning. Guys, what the hell? What To win the game, the Pelicans could have made this a much better game than it was. But it was a really good game for at least a half of basketball. And the main thing I want to point home before I really get into the nitty gritty of it is that they had the key to slow down Steph. And I know that sounds really bizarre because it's Steph and he's like one of the three best players in basketball, in my opinion, right now. But damn, guys, uh, you learned really kind of early on that Steph was going to cook anyone on the Pelicans except for your second year guy off the bench, your point guard from the G League, Dyson Daniels, because he's tall and he's got the Ben Simmons build, just not as, I don't know, it's going to be weird to say, like girthy or thick or like maybe built, but like he he's long, he keeps up with Steph, he, he does everything you need him to, so... And I know Herb Jones, I like Herb Jones a lot. And I know he's a great wing defender, one, one of the better ones. But it was quite obvious he could not keep up with Steph running around the court. And there were times where it was like he was still in Steph's face and Steph would just drill it. But every time that Steph was on, or uh, Dyson was on Steph, it was a different story. It was just like, uh, Steph was like, I, I don't want the ball right now. This is a little too much to ask for. And then... In terms of the standouts, obviously, other than Steph for Golden State was every single, the Steph to Draymond connection, or vice versa, to be more realistic, um, every time that Draymond passed the ball to Steph, that was an assist, like, every single time. It was almost uncanny every time that Draymond passes the ball to Steph. There was even a point really early on in the game that you notice, like, Steph will just, like, not move a muscle until the ball touches Draymond's hands, and then he's like, oh, yeah, bet. That's coming That's coming to me. I'm going to I'm gonna nail this. Whether it's a layup, whether it's mid-range or three, I will, I will cook right here. And so he did. You know, he had, like, 42 points um, in this game. He just couldn't be stopped except by one man, which the main thing that I want to get across is even though Brandon Ingram is out and a couple of Warriors were out, I think Willie Green should have changed the starting lineup so that you were matching minutes with you would have Dyson Daniels out every single time that Steph was out on the court. No matter even if he is only a second year player and he's not good at shooting threes, it was very obvious that he was the best deterrent for Steph. Even if Steph would make them, it would just make it harder for Steph to get it off. And then Trace Jackson Davis looks like a steal of the draft. I know he was a power forward in Indiana last year, but he looked really good. Like, I really thought he was going to be like a John Collins type of player. But they, you know, when Golden State just drafts you, they're like, look, I know you did this, but you got to do this. And it works great. He looks like <sighs> it's a little early. I don't know defensively exactly the same way, but it like Sabonis, Draymond type of facilitating for this team. And it, like you see it on the passes where he's down low on the block. And he's getting like double teamed and he just whips it to the corner. Just like long extended arms because he's like 6'10 or 6'11. The big wingspan just like whips it out. He's, he's going to be great for him. And then Zion had a great game. Jordan Hawkins getting a start because Brandon Ingram's out. That was really good. They need more shooting in New Orleans. And I think that's the big takeaway from this was just... There was a lot of times the offense got stagnant and then more so than anything, 
they just couldn't stop Steph. And I just think it was that that's another coaching issue where it's like, you know who is doing the best on him. It's you're not a coach if you don't have eyes. Sorry to say, like if I'm breaking someone's heart right now, and if you I, I my heart goes out there for anyone who is blind and wants to be a coach, I'm sorry. It's not happening. It's like you can't be a chef if you don't have taste buds. Like it is what it is. Just rant. Shit out of luck here, buddy. But, um, yeah, the, this – the Pelicans have been doing so well, and I know that Brandon Ingram was out, but, like, this one felt like if it's not winnable, it should have been way closer than a blowout. This is, this, this is the kind of stuff that, like, really irritates me where it's like, I'm not saying I could be a better coach. I'm just saying that I could point out at least one time that you could have made a better coaching decision, and that is one of them. But shout out to the Warriors. They're doing a lot better offensively than I originally thought um, from the start of the season. They're winning more games now. It, but their defense is very good. And Draymond was giving Zion problems. But every time that Draymond was not on Zion, Zion just cooked. So that's that's the other thing. It was just like you needed to find a way to switch for Zion a lot more. But yeah, that's about it. That's what I got for today. I think to, for tomorrow's video, it's just going to be one game. I'm going to do New York versus Cleveland. Um, the reason I'm not going to do two is the other primetime game is Spurs Suns. And I'm not, I, I promise you, I'm not going to touch another Suns game until all three are playing together. And again, it looks like Devin Booker's not going to play and Bradley Beal is still out. This is, this is a weird thing going on for Phoenix so far. And then like, realistically, I get it. It's Wimbanyama, but like, He's really going through the road, like he's trying to figure it out, and it's it. The game is not slowing down for him just yet. So until it does, it's going to be like really as he's trying to figure out the NBA level of basketball. Um, I don't necessarily want to talk about the Spurs when they kind of look, eh, but they will once once Wimby figures this out, they will take a little bit of a leap. They're not going to be like a playing team. The West is just too good at this moment, but they've only ever beat the just lowly Houston Rockets who are still trying to figure it out as well. But yeah, that's about it. So if you like this video, give it a like, give it a rate. If you're audio only listener, um, again, like I said before, if you're new to the channel, please subscribe. Give me a comment. Let me know. Was I too harsh on harsh on Chris Finch? How how did you view the Hawks comeback? How did you view the Timberwolves collapse? And do you agree with me on the fact that Dyson Daniels should have played way more in this game because Steph just cooked them? I will see you guys later. Peace.